Amen. Isn't it good to be here today? Amen. 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 Let's take our Bibles, if you will, and go to the book of John. Did I have to get any resources for you? Okay. Let's go to the book of John, chapter 14. And uh, we'll begin reading verse 15. John 14, 15. We're going to talk today about Jesus' promise of another comforter. Because he made that promise to us. And uh, we want to see what the scripture says about that. And I want you to just give you some thoughts about that another comforter uh, before, we, uh, before we finish up today. John 14, and beginning in verse 15. The scripture says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the word, or whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and he shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me because I live, ye shall live also. And that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. And he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he, he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself unto him. Alright. So, essentially, uh, Jesus said, I want you to see something in, in verse 16. I don't know. Any of y'all got a red letter edition? Yes. In the King James Version, red letter edition, I do not know about the other translation, but in the red letter edition of the King James Version, it says... Comforter with a capital C. Anybody have a different translation? And does Comforter have a capital C? Mine says Helper. Helper. Have a capital H? Capital H. Counselor? Counselor. Capital C? Capital C. Hmm. You notice something? Even in the different translations, they use different words. We've got the capital letter. You know what the capital letter means, right? <coughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's either a name or a personal pronoun or something like that. And, in, and you're exactly right what he said. It means Jesus. So here's what I want you to see. He promised us another comforter, and that's what uh, uh, I want you to think about. Another, when, when we say another, usually we, we think about one to replace, right? Or perhaps in addition to. Well, the word another is not a word to, to compare two objects of dissimilar quality, but rather it's the same quality but different person. Okay? Another comforter is the Holy Spirit. It's God's Holy Spirit. So, in, in having said all that, what Jesus is saying to them, when he's going to send another comforter, capital C, he said that I'm going to send my spirit, and my spirit is going to dwell with you, and my spirit is going to share with you the things that are shared with him, and the things that are shared with him are the things that come from the Father. Does that make sense? So it's the same person, or same Quality, same character, but a different person. It's the person of the Holy Spirit rather than the person of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is of God, is exactly like Jesus in his ministry to the disciples, in his ministry to you and I. Uh, he's our advocate. Uh, he's the one who will, will stand uh, by our side. He's the one who will stand in our stead when we stand before the Father. Uh, he either stands either by their side or in their place. Okay? And that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. Now, we're going to use a couple other verses of Scripture as well. Uh, in John, uh, 
chapter 14 and verse 16, the scripture says this, And I will pray the Father, he shall give you another comforter, that you may abide, that he may abide with you forever. So exactly how long is, uh, is the Holy Spirit supposed to come? Forever. He's coming forever. Okay? And he's functioning in the unseen realm. And basically what Jesus is telling them is that we're going from, from me being with you in bodily form to the Holy Spirit being with you in spiritual form. And we know from other scriptures that it says the Holy Spirit comes and inhabits us. He indwells the believer. So he's going to function in the unseen realm, in the spiritual realm, and he's going to function forever. Now, chapter uh, John 16, verse 13 we have to turn a couple pages. John 16, verse 13 says, How be it when he, the spirit of truth, and again, if you notice, spirit is a capital S, same word as comforter, same word as Jesus. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And what he will show you, or he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. Then verse 15 says, All things that the Father hath are mine, therefore said I that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. A little while, and he shall not see me, and again a little while, and he shall see me, because I go to the Father. The, uh, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, is coming, that he might stand in that gap between the time Jesus is here in bodily form and the time Jesus returns to call his church out. And he's there to give us guidance and so forth. He, he ministered to them for three years, and now the Spirit would be the minister to them. And he gives us about four things that the Spirit's coming for. He tells us, first off, he's coming to guide them in truth. To guide them in truth. So I'm going to personalize this a little bit. Instead of saying guide them, I'm going to say guide us. Because I believe the word is true for us today that the Comforter comes at the time we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. The Holy Spirit moves in, and he comes and moves in for the purpose of guiding us in the truth. How do we know truth when we hear it? A couple of ways we can know truth. <laughs> you don't look at me like, do we know truth when we hear it? <laughs> That's a bad question to ask during a political season. Isn't it? <laughs> Exactly. It lines up with the character of God. And we can, we can test truth in a couple of ways. One is we can compare it to the Scripture. Does it line up with the Word of God? You see, sometimes people can be telling you things and it sounds so good, it sounds so awesome, it sounds amazing, but it's not in line with the Word of God. And if it's not in line with the Word of God, it's not true. Okay? And so another thing is that, uh, and, and sometimes I've experienced this, I don't experience it terribly, terribly often about things, but it just depends on what it is, I guess. But sometimes I experience this. People are telling me something, and it's just something within my spirit. And I don't know. I know you all like, what is that move he's doing? It's, it's, that's exactly how I feel sometimes. Uh, you know, and if you've not experienced it, it's hard to explain. I can't put it in words. But it's almost like it, it, it kind of makes my skin crawl a little bit. It's kind of like, oh, something's just not right here. And, and you get that feeling sometimes. I had someone talking to me the other day, and, and he said, you know, I, do you know this person? I'm like, well, yeah, I know him. How well do you know him? Well, not super good. And, and, they, and this is their exact, exact motion. They said, well, you know, they were talking to me the other day and telling me something, and they were just kind of like that. And they, they said, you know, it just didn't feel right. And they said, you know what I'm talking about? 
I said, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about with them necessarily, but I know the feeling you're talking about. So I hope you can understand that feeling. It just kind of makes you just real uncomfortable. You know, you're like, hmm, I don't know. One guy said it this way. He said, I, I think they're jerking my chain, and I feel it when it pulls. So, you know, it's just kind of that sort of thing. But the Holy Spirit comes to guide us in truth. Why do we have that feeling? Because the Holy Spirit dwells within us. He lives within us, and when he hears truth, it, it's smooth, and it's peaceful, and it works, and it's right. And when he doesn't hear truth, it's kind of a disturbing thing. And the Holy Spirit says, eh, you know, that's wrong. Don't do that. By the same token, when I'm sharing something that's not true, I think the Holy Spirit does the same thing. He tells me, it's not true. Don't do that. So he becomes our guide and our conscience. He guides us in truth. He came to show us things to come. How do we know what's going to happen in the future? Well, we have prophecy that's in the Scripture, and we can look at that prophecy and say, well, the Scripture says this is going to happen. Now, the number one question people ask me about prophecy, how do you know? Well, my standard answer is because the Bible said so. And their next response is, and why do you think that means it's going to happen? Because my spirit that dwells within me, the Holy Spirit that dwells within me, lines up with the Word of God, and I believe it to be true. He shall guide us in truth. He shall show us things to come. Okay? Um, there's still those today that, that don't believe that Jesus is real. They don't believe that uh, God is real. They don't believe that there's a second coming. They don't believe a whole lot of things. They don't believe anything about the Word of God. And I'm telling you, they're in for a rude awakening. Amen. Someone asked me yesterday, so what do you think about the election? I told my prediction about the election, but I'm telling you something, guys. Here's what I believe about our world right now. I'm not going to say our country. I'm going to say our world. We're told of the end times. We're told in the book of Daniel. We're told in the book of Revelation. And all these things are going to happen, and they are lining up faster than they've ever lined up before. Amen. Now, somebody said, I made that statement somewhere the other day, and somebody said, well, I remember years ago when Israel became a country, then, uh, you know, people said, oh, when it became a nation, you know, people said, oh, it's the end time. Israel just became a nation. Jesus is coming just any day. And I know what they're talking about because I've been hearing that all my life. But there are all kinds of things that still have to fall into place. And it's tidbit by tidbit by tidbit by tidbit. And I'm telling you what's happening right now is things are beginning to fall into place really, really fast. Amen. Let me give you a couple examples just that you could be very familiar with. The riots, the protests, the fights, uh, fightings, wars, rumors of wars in various places or diverse places, the King James says, which means various, and, and, and sometimes strange places where you didn't expect them. Let me tell you, if when we when we in the past, when we've heard of rioting in the streets in other nations, we thought, yep, yeah, they do that over our whole time. But boy, when it happens at home, we're like, that's not supposed to happen here. It's really not supposed to happen there either. <laughs> it's just we're used to hearing it. Now, guys, we're hearing it, we're seeing it. What about this? Earthquakes all around. Uh, Charlotte's got this thing where she, she has, a, I don't know, something on her phone, an app or something that tells her about the earthquakes. Do y'all realize how many earthquakes there are even in West Tennessee in a year's time? There's a bunch. There's a bunch. One day I was driving and I had to, had to go do some inspections over in Lake County. And the lake can is over close to the river and it's close to real foot up in that area. And, and I'm driving through and Charlotte sends me this thing. She says, earthquake. And, and she sends me a little picture of the map. And I'm sitting there. <laughs> I mean, I'm just almost right there. I'm like, wow, I didn't feel it. I missed it. But guys, they're happening all around us. 
What about the, the storms? It seems like the hurricanes get stronger and stronger sometimes. And I know we've had storms all along, but we've got the hurricanes, we've got the earthquakes, we've got tornadoes, we've got tsunamis, we've got all these things that have been happening over the last few years. In this year alone, we've got all kinds of catastrophes going on. Peace treaties have been signed. Peace treaties have been signed. Absolutely. Was it the Abraham Agreement? Of the Abraham Covenant. Abraham Covenant. They just signed another that they signed with Israel. Was it Saudi Arabia that signed on to it this way? Sudan. Sudan? Okay, so see, here's the thing. This is what's happening. You watch what's happening in the Middle East, because the Middle East is where it's happening. I'm just going to tell you. That's where the epicenter of everything at the end time is going to be, is in the Middle East. The rest of the world is, is kind of like preparing for the, the ceremony, so to speak, I guess, but the countries are beginning to align themselves. We're going to see countries like China and Russia and Iran and Iraq they're going to align together. They're going to form an alliance. Get ready for it and see it coming. I don't doubt for a minute that in the next four to five years, eight at the most, that we're probably going to see some drastic changes in the Middle East. Drastic. And guys, I, I would say that to scare you. You know what? I, I used to think about this. And I'm just going to tell you, I'll be honest with you, 100% honest with you. Ms. Aunt Lee and I used to have some conversations and we'd talk about the end time. So she'd say, and this is what she would say. She'd say, oh, Brother Rick, you don't talk about that stuff. It scares me to death. And I understand that because you know what? Quite frankly, it used to scare me too. But I got to thinking about it not too long ago. Uh, something was going on and, and uh, when, this, when this pandemic started, there was a lot of discussion about end time pestilence. And, and, and I had people that had never spoke to me about Scripture before, didn't know they knew anything about Scripture whatsoever. Shame to say that because I should know. I should be asking them all the time. But they came to me and said, hey, listen, do you think, do you think this could be an end-time plague? And I said, no, I don't think it could be an end-time plague. And they're like, really? Well, other people were saying it was. What do you think? I said, I know it's an end-time plague. I believe it without a doubt. Guys, we're closer to the end than we've ever been, of course. I mean, that's natural because of the flow of history. But look at what's going on. This pandemic just keeps going on and on. There's plagues and pestilences, and this pandemic is worldwide. It's not just in one little foreign country somewhere or just in the United States, as some of the others have been, but guys, it's worldwide. We're in the last days. And so I, I was first thinking about that after people started asking those questions, and I got to think about it, and I thought, man, this is scary almost. And I could understand the fear that people had. And then I began to think about something, and, and it may have been, Marty, you and I may have talked about it one day. I don't remember who it was, but, but somebody made this statement to me and said, have you thought about this? We may be the generation that God has chosen for Jesus to return. And I thought, well, we may be. And the more I thought about it, the more I like I'm going to tell you something. This is my prayer. This is my desire. That one day I lay down, I go to sleep, I don't wake up. Isn't that an awesome way to die? Amen. I mean, you know, somebody comes to wake you up one morning and says, hey, get up, it's time for breakfast. You're like, No breakfast for me today. Right. Shoot, I'm having a heavenly feast, right? Don't worry about me. I'm, I'm, that's exciting. And then I thought, what could be better? What could be better is to be walking down the street one day or walking or standing in my living room. And I so wish that I had my text message up here and hear Gabriel's trumpet sound. And all of a sudden, boom, there we go. <laughs> and I'm just flying right out through the roof and through the ceiling and everything else. And, you know, awesome. Wouldn't it be awesome to be alive and breathing when Jesus comes and just calls you out? Wouldn't it be awesome? Amen. 
One of y'all, hey, I'm getting excited up here. You know, I know some of y'all are like, moving on, I'm ready to move it on. I'm moving on, on. I'm going to move it on out. Uh, there, was a, there was an old country song uh, to pick me up on your way. Hey, I don't know if y'all ever heard that or not. I don't promote secular music much from the pulpit. But it was an old country song. When you're blue, you're feeling down, pick me up on your or feeling something, pick me up on your way down. And uh, I think it was actually a hee haw uh, show I was watching on TV one time. And, and one of those guys on there said, uh, he said, listen, I'm just going to tell you, uh, I don't want nobody picking me up on the way down. He said, pick me up on your way up. Amen. Mm, isn't that exciting? Ooh, Lord, when you come back, pick me up on your way up. I want to go. I want to go. And the only way to go is to be ready and be prepared for that time. Guide us in truth, show us things to come, teach us what we need to know. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He teaches us what we need to know. Uh, you know, Ari and I were having a conversation this morning about sin and about knowing what sin is and how do we know what sin is. We know what sin is because God has given us the, the, the book, right? He's given us the guidebook. But truthfully, we know what sin is because the Holy Spirit moves into our lives and he begins to share things with us. And, and I've had people share with me, they say, you know, there are things, if I got saved, there are things that I recognize that I've never even thought about before. I've had, I had attitudes that, that I never realized were wrong. I have thoughts that I never realized were wrong. You know why you realize it now? Because the Holy Spirit is beginning to teach you what you need to know. He's beginning to guide you in truth and he's beginning to show you the things to come. The fourth thing is he's going to help us to pray. Help us to pray. I've told you the story a thousand times. I had a good friend who was going through a very, very difficult time in his life and it just kind of hit him like a ton of bricks. And, and he called me and we sat down and talked. And I said, man, you know, I said, you guys spend a lot of time in prayer. He said, I don't know how to pray. Don't know how to pray. I've had very few people in my life tell me they didn't know how to pray, but I'm going to tell you something, and you may or may not know it. But you know, there's a whole lot of people that really don't know how to pray. Truthfully. Now, I'm, just, I'm not trying to be judgmental, I'm not trying to be super spiritual, or trying to be anything special. I'm just trying to be honest. And I begin to realize this more and more the more I interact with people, and, and the more I hear people say, Well, I'll pray for you. Let me tell you, there's a standard line you see on Facebook. There's a standard line I hear on the phone when I listen to someone they're talking to somebody on the phone. And I use that line sometimes because I don't ever want it to be a standard line. I don't want it to be a line that's just thrown out there or a feel-good line. I want you to know that if I tell you I'm praying for you, I'm going to pray for you. I mean, how many times? And honestly, think about it. And I've done it. I ain't going to lie. I've done it. I said, yeah, I'll, I'll be praying for you. Never think about it. I've done it. I'm ashamed of it, but I've done it. Don't know no good to hide it. I might as well admit it, so I can do something about it, right? <laughs> you don't admit your sin, you'll never get rid of your sin. Okay? But hey, guys, many people don't know how to... I, I, I'm telling you, there are people that throw that out there. Uh, we need prayers, and they don't even know the power of prayer. There are people that throw it out there, that I'm praying for you, and they don't know... Uh, you know, they don't pray for somebody. They think about them. Is thinking about somebody praying for them? It could be, but not necessarily. I think about folks a lot of times don't pray for them. I might be thinking bad though. <laughs> That's right, y'all for the prayer. Let me think about it. I had someone tell me yesterday they, they had prayed for someone uh, 
there's someone that, that, that they have an offense against. And, uh, you know, it just really took some time to get over and, and we're visiting in the hospital one day and visiting some family member that was there and saw a person and said, hey, what are you doing here? I come to find out the person they had the offense against was in the hospital, they're not doing well. And this person said, you know, and I, and I thought, and it was a family member of the person that they had the offense against that I just prayed with them. So we just prayed right there in the hall at the hospital where we met and I prayed for them. He said, they died. He said, but I assure you, I did not pray that they would die. I prayed that God would heal them. And, and you know, we have to understand healing comes in different ways. But guys, when we tell somebody we're going to pray for them, I'm going to tell you something. This happened to me, uh, I think Thursday afternoon, maybe it was. Uh, I was actually in Sandy Dollar here in town. And, uh, I can tell you what I was there, but you don't care about that. But anyway, I was in Family Dollar, and, uh, and, and I saw a lady, one day in one of the aisles, I saw a lady, and she spoke to me, hey, Brother Ricky, how are you doing? And I said, hey, I'm doing well. How are you doing, man? Still cannot tell you what her name was. I had that old lady sitting on the wall, okay? I can't remember stuff sometimes. Face was very familiar to me. I just couldn't place who she was. And uh, I said, well, I'm doing pretty good. I said, I said my feet bothered me a lot. Other than that, I'm okay. And, you know, I'm steady walking and talking. And she's just kind of, you know, there. And I went on and did what I was going to do. And, and, and I turned around, and there she was standing right there. She said, hey, let me ask you something. That's what she said. Can I correct you about your feet? I said, you sure can. And we stood right there and came the dollar. And she prayed over me. And she pled the blood of Jesus over me. She pled the power of healing over me. And I'm telling you, the people who've been around me thought, these folks don't know they ain't in church. What them folks didn't know was we was in church, right? Where two or three are gathered. <laughs> and uh, I'm telling you, one of the most awesome things in the world to experience is somebody to say, I want to pray for you to do it right now. That's awesome. That's awesome. Feels good. Sometimes we're like, hell, I don't want to embarrass nobody. <laughs> we shouldn't be embarrassed. That's our nature. It should be because the Holy Spirit dwells within us. He's there to help us to pray. You see, those things that we don't know how to say to the Father, He does. Those things we really don't know how to relay our feelings, He does. And this is what I tell people. Be honest and just tell the Lord how you feel. <laughs> Sometimes that can be dangerous, couldn't it, Martin? We, <laughs> Martin and I have these conversations. We, we talk to God in different ways sometimes. Sometimes we, we're angry. Sometimes we yell. Sometimes we uh, are short. And sometimes we just put it out there and and, you know, and God has to take it, or the Holy Spirit has to take it and just present it to the Father the way it needs to be. He teaches us to pray. And guys, I'm going to tell you, this is one thing that I think, I think God hates. You remember that verse of Scripture that says, and it's over the book of the Revelation, it talks about being lukewarm and God will spew them out of his mouth. Remember that? God doesn't want us to be lukewarm. Now I'm going to tell you something. If I'm feeling angry, I think God's expecting me to come to him in that angry spirit. Right. I know y'all like all preachers. Now, I don't know if we'll go to God angry. Mm -hmm. So, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to be angry? I put on a false face and go for God's hell out I want to tell you, Prince, Lord, you tell me, thank you so much. And deep in my heart, I'm feeling like I could kill somebody. <laughs> I mean, is that what we're supposed to do? I mean, come on, let's get real. Be honest about it. And I know y'all look at me and say, I can't believe you do that, preacher. Hey, Y'all think I'm not human or what? And I know we all feel that way sometimes. But God wants us to, when we have that anger, bring it to God. When we have that joy, bring it to God. When we have that peace, bring it to God. Amen. You know, and he knows our heart anyway, so we might as well just be honest and open and come to him just like we are. 
Hey, listen, I've gone to God angry and I've walked away broken. Broken. I've gone to God mad at somebody about something. And really, really, I just don't mind telling. I had a teacher one time said, you know, sometimes you just want to pinch somebody's head off. You know, I, I just kind of had that feeling. I just want to pinch somebody's head off. And uh, I go to God in that spirit sometimes and, and I walk away feeling like, oh God, I'm so sorry. I need to love that person. And God, thank you for showing me that it's not there, it's that spirit that I have a problem with. Hmm. I wonder how many times people have pinched my head off because of that spirit that I have. <laughs> Guaranteed. My brother's on the way, he told me one time, and he would tell you this, he said, your day, he'd say, I already ate me. He told me one time, he said, Ricky Watkins, you would argue with a signpost. <laughs> Even if you knew the signpost was right. And you know what I, what I could do when he said that? Oh, I'll do a smile and say, yeah, 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 he's right. I would. I try not to be that bad anymore, but I certainly used to be. I promise you that. But he teaches us to pray. He helps us to pray. The Holy Spirit was sent for a specific purpose to do these things, but he sent to empower us as believers, to give us power. Yes, we, we, we feel powerless. And, and I, oftentimes I hear people say, well, you know, I, I, just, I just feel so powerless. I feel so helpless. I feel like there's nothing I can do. And I say those things sometimes. I'm not trying to belittle you or embarrass you or judge you. I'm just trying to be honest with you. And I'm having a confession with you as much as anything else today. It's because, you know, sometimes I do feel so powerless. I feel like I'm defeated. I feel like there's, you know, was it Elijah or Elisha? I get them confused sometimes. Which one of them said I'm the only prophet that's God? Which one was it? Don't you There's one of them, Elijah. <laughs> He said, he said I, I feel like I'm the only one left. And so God shows him this vision. <clears throat> and in this vision, he sees all around him, all of those who have not bowed the knee to Baal. These are those that have not bowed the knee to Baal, God said. These are the ones that are faithful. You're not alone. Guys, I assure you, we're not alone in our faith and in our Christianity. And the Holy Spirit empowers us. He, he has come. Jesus said, I'm going to send another comforter. That comforter has come. Don't be going around thinking, oh, Jesus is going to send a comforter one day. We're going to be so comforted. He's already sent that comforter. And you should already be comforted. He does dwell those who seek him. Those who seek him. Uh, I, had a, I had a lesson this week. Uh, I guess I'll have to have a confession with you a little bit. Yesterday we did the prayer walk, the Kelly White prayer walk, and, and Eddie had called me and asked me about Manning one of the stations, so to speak. And, and basically all that means is I read a certain scripture that they assigned to me and I prayed for the nation. That was my, my task. And uh, the scripture he gave me was Deuteronomy 7, 11 through 15, I think maybe something in that area. But anyway, in my mind, I was thinking 2 Chronicles 7, 14. I don't know if that is right. Okay. So I've been thinking about that scripture all week long. And it wasn't until Friday night and I pulled out my Bible and I found that note paper where I jotted that down. I thought, oh, I've been, I've been preparing on the wrong scripture. <laughs> so I had to get set for Saturday morning on Friday night. But in that second Chronicles 7 14, how does that start? Somebody yeah, had If my people, and it was next, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. You've been seeing these things, but hey, people, come on, we all need to pray. You know, the Bible says if we'll all humble ourselves and pray, something that God just hit me with, and it hit me hard, and I think it hit me the hardest because I'm a pastor, 
And I recognized it so vividly. It was just like, it was almost like this, this big vision that God gave me. And I know y'all are going to think, well, everybody knew that. But it's that revelation that it just threw up on me and it just, just stuck out to me. And that is this. He didn't say if the whole world will pray and all of themselves. He said, if my people, which are called by my name. I'm going to tell you something. The church itself has the ability, the authority, the capability of changing the world. If we will humble ourselves and pray and seek his face. Amen. And you know what that literally means? It literally means that I'm seeking his face. You know, I, I, had a, I used to go early Sunday mornings out to Grand Valley when they had some early morning services out there years and years and years ago. And we preached. And, you know, it was just a great experience for me to get there share with some seasoned Christians, but there was a lady that she said, oh, listen, I just want to tell you, we were praying this morning, I could just see the face of Jesus. And she'd say that, and I just didn't get cold to you. I was just like, don't you want to pray and just see the face of Jesus when you pray? Well, you know, I believe that's included in that, but to seek his face is we are looking for him and for his will and for what he wants done. You see, I've got a long list of what I want done. Look, I want you to stop this. I want you to stop that. I want you to stop this. I want you to stop that. Add this. And, and you don't add that. Do this and do that. We need to seek his will. God, what is your will? Ultimately, and I, I shared this a few weeks ago in, in, in a sermon. Ultimately, God's will, his primary will is what? That all men would be saved. That we would all be saved. That's his goal. That's his will. That we would have eternal life and spend that eternity in heaven with him. That's his will. And that's what we need to be working toward. It's refreshing. It's refreshing to hear an elected official say to you, you know, I know there are things that, that go with my job that, that uh, I don't particularly like to do, but I know this. Before I, I ever ran for this office, I prayed and I asked God to give me wisdom. And I asked God, Lord, let me always, always see your that's refreshing. That's refreshing. And after being elected and serving for a while, he still prays the same prayer. And you ladies will love this. He also told me, he said, I have a wife whom I talked to about that, and she told me, she said, I will remind you daily of that prayer. And he said, she does. She don't let me forget. And I thought, yep, mind every good man is a good woman, right? And guys, I'm going to tell you, I, 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 it was just refreshing to me to hear that statement and to, to know that person and to see that that's what they're doing with their life and with their job, their position. The Holy Spirit was sent to empower us as believers. He's come. He's here to indwell us to seek Him. And those He indwells, I want you to hear me now. Remember, just make a note of this. Those He indwells cannot withhold His power, His presence, and His person from others. We cannot and still maintain our full ministry. We cannot withhold his power, his person, his presence from others and do what he wants us to do. Because he didn't send the Holy Spirit to come and dwell in us so we can bottle him up, zip him up like zip it up in our jacket, and just keep him within our sins. So now how does that look? How does that happen? How do we share him with others? We let him work in our life is number one. We let him do his job. Let him function. Let him lead us and guide us and teach us. And we follow his leadership and his guidance and his teaching. And as we are, it's beginning to bubble over. It's beginning to spout out. 
You know, and where, where it used to be, uh, and I, you know, had to share this with someone the other day. They're like, man, I try to watch my language, but it just keeps going. I can't seem to stop it. You know why? Because you're trying it on your own. Try Jesus. Try Jesus. I know y'all gonna find this hard to believe, but I assure you, there's no one in this room, and probably no one listening on Facebook, that's talked any uglier than I have. Had any worse language than I did. I'm serious. And I'm talking as a young boy. My uncle told me one time, he said, I believe you could teach a sailor like this. I'm not bragging about that. I'm not excited about it. I'm ashamed of it. But let me tell you what I will brag about. I am excited about it. Jesus took that away from me. He changed that. Amen. He changed that. And one of my good friends tell me one day, uh, he said, there are two people I've seen in my life that I knew before they were saved and after they were saved. He said, you're one of them. And he said, I'm telling you, I, I know that God is real because of the change he's made in your life. <laughs> now y'all like, that's an awesome testimony right there. I don't want to tell you. Y'all might not like it, but I, I felt pretty good about it. That's just what they were saying about you changed. You know, and it's not me, it's the Holy Spirit that dwells within me. You see, when we, when we thwart his spirit and we quench his spirit and we don't share it with others, we become separated from him and, and our communion is broken. And our communion is so very important. Communion is broken, our testimony is weakened, and, and we're just kind of like floating out there somewhere. And, and the picture that comes to my mind, I guess because of the age and kind of I was raised in, is see those guys that you know go out into space and they're connected to that cable. And I always thought that cable comes with us, but you just gone on forever. Where are you going? Just gone forever, just floating through space forever. Well, another thing that happens is our authority is undermined. When we allow Satan to keep us from letting the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do in our life, our authority is undermined, and, and then we have no authority. I want to tell you something. You won't like it, but it's true. The church has allowed Satan to undermine our authority for years. We've allowed it to happen. Now then, I'm going to tell you, uh, I don't know, I got in trouble one time for using that three-letter word from the pulpit, but I'm going to tell you anyway, I think it's important. And I think we need to know. I hope we don't lose any church members over it. But I'm just telling you, someone asked me the other day, he said, there's so much crime happening, so many violent things happening, all of a sudden, just boom, boom, boom. So what do you think is going on? I said, well, I'm telling you that most all of our crime can be traced back to sex, drugs, and, and I said alcohol, but I should have said money, because drugs and alcohol are the same thing. Guys, you, know, you, you think about it. In less than eight days' time, seven days' time, uh, two men killed in Bolivar over a woman. Hmm. A store robbed an armed robbery. It's an armed robbery because somebody has a hat and they need to buy the drugs. Hmm. There might be some truth to what I'm saying, but I'm trying to tell you. We as a church have allowed these things to go on and on and on. I'm telling you right now. Uh, I have a good friend who said to me the other day, he said, Preacher, I'm going to tell you, he said, I go to church every Sunday. I try to be faithful in my relationship with the Lord. He said, but I'm telling you, the church is stable. He's a lot younger than I am, but, but he told me, he said, the years I've been in church, he said, I remember as a little boy, I'm hearing my grandfather and some other preachers preach, and they preach different than preachers do today. He said, most of the time today, the preacher is concerned about keeping his job and keeping the offerings going. 
It's scary to make somebody mad because if it does, they're going to cut their offer. If they cut their offer, they're going to cut his pay. If they cut his pay, they're going to buy him next. And he's scared of those things. I said, yeah. I, I see that. I see that. You heard the song on the radio? Uh, we got a rock star preacher. Don't even want to wake us up from our dreams, those kind of things. But y'all don't have a rock star preacher. Just so you know. Okay? Here's what I'm going to close with. And we'll give you another passage of scripture. One of you are going to just load this up with scripture today, but there's nothing better I can load you up with. But Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 31, the scripture says this. The Lord says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you. There's some key words I want you to hear. Satan hath desired, and that's underlined in my mind, hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Sift. That should be underlined. To sift you as wheat. But I have prayed, underlined, for thee, that thy faith, underlined, fail not. And when thou art converted, underlined, strengthen thy brethren. So I'll read it again without going all in all the underlines. The Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Satan desires to sift us as wheat. He desires to sift us as wheat. Now the thing I'm going to tell you, we're going to talk about that just a little bit, but I want you to I want to say this before I forget it. You are the only one that can prevent that. You're the only one that can prevent it. I can pray for you day and night. This church can pray for you day and night. All of us can, can pray for one another day and night, but ultimately, I'm the only one that can stop Satan from sifting me as sweet. Now, having said that, I have no power over Satan on my own. The only way I can stop it is that I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior, I allow the Holy Spirit to move into my life, and allow him to teach me, allow him to guide me, allow him to strengthen me, allow him to function in me, and I'm obedient to him. But that choice is mine. Because God gave us that choice. Uh, we were having a little bit of a discussion before connected this morning, and that's one of the things Tony said, that you know, God can do this, but God doesn't do it. God can force things to happen, but God gave us a free will, and he's not going to take away our free will. He's not going Because he wants us to serve him because we love him. Now let me tell you something about this passage you just read. First off, that word desired. Remember I told you it's underlined. Satan desired to have you. It doesn't say he desires, but he desired to have you. And, and there's a word, that word literally means, in the Greek, that word literally means demanded. He demanded to have you. So to me it says that Satan comes before God and he says, I'm going to take Peter. He's mine and I'm going to take him. He demands to have him. That's his plan for all of us. He demands to have us. And then we go to that word sift. He demands to have you that he may sift you as wheat. And that word sift is a word riddle. I don't have confession with y'all. I, I had actually uh, uh, just part of this in the sermon years ago. And I looked up that word riddle in Webster's Dictionary. Y'all know I love definitions. I looked up that word in the, in the uh, looked up the word sift in the Greek 
New Testament or glossary and I found that word riddle, R-I-D-D-L-E. Let me ask you something. What does riddle mean? <laughs> Denise, it means to sift. You're pretty sharp. <laughs> You're very right. <laughs> Are you talking about a weapon? If you if you shoot a weapon, you're gonna riddle somebody with holes. Okay. There you go. Riddle somebody with holes. Well, if you go to Webster's dictionary, the word riddle appears twice. The first time it appears, it appears as this. Um, I stretched it out. So um, anyway, <laughs> it's like telling somebody something in a riddle. You know, in a riddle, that it's like. Um, I don't know how to describe it other than that. <laughs> it's like a story to describe something, I guess. you got to kind of figure it out. Right. Well, I thought, that word just don't fit. I kept looking. I found the second definition down there. Second time the word is, it's not just like one and two. It's like riddle and then riddle. Spelled exactly the same. But uh, anyway, it means to cut or to separate or to make many holes in. A noun, probably. You're right. I think you're right. Uh, I didn't look for that part. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm learning how to use the dictionary. <laughs> but, but the word riddle, uh, the word sift literally means to riddle or to cut or to separate or to make many holes in. And, and that's what he's telling Peter. He said, that's what Satan desired. That's what he demanded of you, Peter. Satan demanded that, that he's going to take you and he's going to make all these holes in you. That's what he wants you for. Guys, listen to me. Satan paints a beautiful picture. He draws up all of these beautiful things and he creates all of these fascinating desires. And all of a sudden, he just like, boom, drops that bomb. And then everything's full of holes. It doesn't hold water, as the older people used to say. It doesn't wash. It doesn't hold water. So that's what his desire is for us. Now, as Jesus said, this is what he said. I have prayed. For thee. I have prayed for thee. You know what that literally means? If you look it up in the Greek, Jesus said that he has begged. He has begged the Father for us. Okay? He's begged as binding himself. As binding himself to us. When he says, I have prayed for you, Peter, and I believe that Jesus has prayed for each of us. I don't think Peter's alone in that. I think Jesus has prayed for each of us that Satan would not have us and sift us as we. He's bound himself to us. He's committed himself to us. And he proved that by going to the cross and giving his life and paying the debt for our sins. He, he bound himself to us and to our survival, if you will, to our righteousness. And then there's that word faith. He said, I pray for thee that thy faith, thy faith, that's our reliance upon Christ for salvation that we never rely upon ourselves. We never rely upon, hey guys, I'm going to tell you something. It's, it's wonderful to have a church. It's awesome to have a church family. It's awesome to have brothers and sisters in Christ that you know love you and they're praying for you and they're lifting you up and it gives you strength and encouragement and all of you know that. We've all experienced that at some time or another and hopefully we experience it pretty regular. But, uh, but let me tell you, this is what he's saying. That's great, but our faith is our reliance upon Christ. For his salvation. That's what our faith is. Our reliance upon Christ. So you know we can have all that love from a church family. 
and still fall because our faith means we. He says, I pray for you that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, he's talking to Peter. So I'm thinking, maybe, maybe, <laughs> you know, where do you think Peter's conversion happened? I like to believe that Peter was converted and Jesus called him to come and follow him. That he was converted then. And it may very well begin. But I can assure you this. After Jesus' trial, Peter was converted. He was at the point where his faith wasn't going to fail anymore. But Jesus told him, he said, Peter, you know, before the rooster crows twice, you're going to deny me three times. Was that what he said? Three times. Before the rooster crows three times? You're going to deny me twice? I may be back and forth. It's one or the other. But I'm going to tell you something. When, when, it, when it crowed the last time, Peter realized the master told me this. I know that it happened. And there was no going back for Peter from that point. His conversion was full. It was full. Strengthen the brother when thou art converted. That word converted means when you make that turn about. Literally, that's what the Greek word means, to turn about. To make an about face. Peter, when you, when you make that about face, about faith, about faith, about your faith, when you're converted, strengthened by brethren, share your faith. Guys, we should not be guilty of hiding our faith. We ought to be sharing our faith everywhere that we go. We ought to be letting our light shine. We, we talk about it, sing that little song as children. Uh, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And then when we get to be adults, we forget that we've got a little light. And we fail to let it shine. I, I think I think if, if the church has failed anywhere, I think we do a fantastic job. Churches do, for the most part. Um, there's a lot of, I don't know what the word is. I'm going to call it emotionism. I make up words all the time. I drive school teachers crazy. There's a lot of emotionism. We're going through the motions of doing stuff. There's a lot of things that appear to be church. But for the most part, I, I guess churches do a pretty good job inside the building of, you know, encouraging and lifting up and so forth. But when we get outside the church, our faith doesn't shine as bright. You know, somebody said to me one day, I said, well, Richard, you can't, you can't be in church seven days a week. I'm going to tell you something. Yes, I can because I am the church. Amen. <laughs> Because Jesus Christ is the head of the church and he's with me wherever I go. And his, uh, wherever I go. And his Holy Spirit dwells within me and he goes with me wherever I go. <laughs> so yes, I can be in church seven days a week. I don't have to be in this building. This is the building. This is not the church. Amen. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. Okay? And for the body of Christ, we need to be letting that light shine. Let it shine. Satan can sift us up. I mean, he is very capable of doing that. And, and Jesus knew that, and that's why he promised another comforter. That's why he promised to send the Holy Spirit. I want to ask you, how many of you have actually seen Jesus face to face in the flesh? Most of us would say no. But let me tell you something. We've seen a believer that's living that life for Christ. We should have seen Jesus, right? That's why he sent the Holy Spirit. To dwell in us that we can let our light shine before me. He is our strength and our refuge, our very present help in time of trouble. Without him, we cannot withstand the power 
of Satan. We cannot withstand the power of sin. We cannot withstand the peer pressure without the Holy Spirit. So Jesus sent the comforter. Now then, here's the question. Does the Holy Spirit dwell within you? I guess I could have taken this whole sermon and preached it in about five minutes. And uh, yeah, I enjoy preaching. Y'all notice that. But uh, the question is, does the Holy Spirit dwell within you? And the only way the Holy Spirit is going to dwell within you is if you have that relationship with Jesus Christ. If you receive Him as your personal Lord and Savior, give your life to Him and allow Him to come into your heart, to wipe away your sin, and to be your Savior. If we've given Him that opportunity, we've allowed Him to do that, the Holy Spirit is there to dwell within us. Now, sometimes... You know, that's one of the things I prayed for yesterday when I prayed for our nation. I prayed, God, let the church not be afraid to allow the Holy Spirit to shine through them. I'm telling you, there's lots of folks. I know Baptists, I know Methodists, I know uh, some Presbyterians, the Pentecostals, you're not too afraid of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I know lots of Baptist folks. I'll just speak about them and won't talk about others. I know lots of Baptist folks that don't even want to talk about the Holy Spirit. Scared you don't call it Pentecostal. I don't care what you call it. I just want to be what God wants me to be. I want, to, I want the Holy Spirit to dwell in me like He intended it to do. And I want to be obedient to Him like He asked me to do, like He's chosen for me to do. So, guys, don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Embrace the Holy Spirit and allow Him to work in your life. And yet, if He needs you to pray a little louder, a little longer, a little harder, a little stronger, get excited about it. Just, just know that the Holy Spirit's in charge. He will teach them to pray. That's what the scripture says. Okay? All right, we're going to have our time of invitation. And I pray this morning you should be obedient to the Holy Spirit and allow God to have his way in your life today. Uh, thank you again for coming with us.